This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. gentlemen here i am <laughs> what's going on everybody how are you doing i hope you're doing well because i mean we are threw off my whole rhythm not being prepared but nevertheless ah we are live welcome back ladies and gentlemen i am your host blake ruffino this is are you serious sports we hope that you guys are making it a good one we know that we are as well pooh bear is joining us live in not in location <laughs> Pooh Bear's with us. We got a lot we got to talk about tonight. Rafino's rants. Lady Tigers get jumped in the polls for some stupid reason. We will discuss that. Um, 
also, uh, a lot of people taking shots at Brian Kelly over the Tommy Reese hire. Why, I do not know. We'll talk about that as well. Why you, Why do you think that, you know, Bama fans have this really small misconception in their little itsy-bitsy brains that they think that they can talk trash after hiring one of Brian Kelly's quarterbacks and offensive coordinators. Why you think that won't be a plus for Brian Kelly beats the hell out of me. We'll discuss that here tonight. Is Mike Denbrock a target to go to Notre Dame? Byron Leftwich, from what we hear, may be getting an interview within the next couple of days out in uh, Notre Dame. But Mike Denbrock also having connections with Marcus Freeman. I'll let you know what we're hearing on that front as well. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate joins us at 7.30. Carter Bryant was supposed to be there, but, you know, he gets married and he's, you know, his wife's cracking, cracking the whip. Oh, Mr. Blake, I'm sick. Anywho, Wilson Alexander, who's going to be joining us anyway, we're just going to push him up to 7.30. Looking forward to having that discussion with Wilson. Uh, had a great write-up today. Go to The Advocate. Guys, subscribe for a dollar. Wilson's always got some great reads out there as well. Uh, women's basketball Tigers or women's basketball continues to roll as the men are on a very bad losing streak, have not won in the year of our Lord in 2023. We'll talk, we'll talk to that, talk about that at the end of the show here tonight. And also it is Super Bowl week. Jalen Hurts versus curly headed Patrick Mahomes. I might have to, I don't know who I'm taking. Pooh, who are you taking? Tell us in the chat. Who's Pooh Bear taking in the Super Bowl? I might have to go Jalen Hurts, but then I always remember that Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of that. So it really makes me uh, stop. Uh, he says, fly, Eagles, fly. I'm salty. I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I, I think I, I agree. All right, a couple of comments before we get rolling. Andrew Paul's Hub Martin says, Carter got to stay away from that ranch water. <laughs> yeah, stay away from the ranch water. That's for sure. I've never, that's something that, you know, mo, I, like I've never tried. I have never tried a ranch water. It sounds disgusting. It's like some people, like, you know, you see some people on TikTok or Facebook or whatever, like eating mayonnaise out of a jar. What in the white pride month do you think that you're doing? <laughs> Who eats mayonnaise out of a jar? Mike on Facebook says, just jumped on. Not sure if you covered this. What do you think of the NCAA's new rule not needing ACT or SAT scores to play sports? Well, I didn't see that. Pooh, can we find that? If that's, I'm not saying it's not true, but I did not see that. I did not see that. Gene says, first time live. Good to have you in here with us, Gene. Uh, looking forward uh, to you commenting on the show here tonight. Tyler Townsend says, what's up, everyone? What's going on, Tyler? He's got a PFL, uh, PFL, uh, uh, Power Hour LSU on, uh, shirt on and his profile pic. How about that? How about that? Rob Boudreaux says, good evening to you too, sir. Good evening, uh, Rob. Rob also says, if it's like a white claw, all those suck. <laughs> I had my first white claw about a, um, I think maybe about a year ago. It was around this time last year. And I drank it and I legitimately started talking like this a little. And so I never, <laughs> I never had one, another one. Uh, Wilk says, are we making the playoffs this year? Well, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. I think you have really high hopes. Um, Corey Johnson says, my heart is telling me Eagles, but my head is telling me Chiefs. Chiefs knocked out the Bengals, but I absolutely despise the Eagles fan base. My mind's telling me no, but Pooh Bear's batting. <laughs> telling me yes. Doug Ray says, Blake got white girl wasted off of one white claw. <laughs> uh, yes, that's how I imagine men that drink white claws sound. 
get you some whiskey, get you a really nice Miller Light, do something. Men don't drink White Claws. There's a hundred and about 180 of you watching us on YouTube and Facebook. Then another 200 of you listening to us live on radio. If you're a man out there, men don't drink white claws. We don't do it. Be a man. Be a man. Ryan says, tell me you're not a man without telling me you're not a man. I- I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. All right, so this is from Pooh. He he looked it up. He said the NCAA Eligibility Center has announced it is extending the COVID-19 waiver that was first put forward in April of 2020 in response to disruptions in the academic life caused by COVID. Oh, so this is just a COVID-19 protocol, huh, Pooh? Like, they're not doing away with it. I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to bring you up. That's how you read it? It's yeah, good. uh... They are discussing permanently dropping it, but as of right now, it's just a a, a COVID nineteen thing, uh, and they extended it to the twenty twenty what the class of twenty twenty three. So, as of right now, it's just a temporary thing, but they are discussing permanently dropping it. Well, going up to twenty twenty three, those kids are already committed. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like why the decision was made now. You know, well, I the, think it's been it's been made. That decision has been made. This article was just pointing that out. So the NCAA is like the DMV. You know, they tell you you don't owe any money until like six months after. Then you owe them like ten bucks. You know, like I mean, You're right? All right. Yeah. Thank you for that, Pooh. Uh, I did not. I did not know that. Thank you, Pooh, for that uh, update. All right, a couple more, then we'll get rolling. Zeus Lambert says, if you're drinking a White Claw, just give it to give it up and have a Bartels and James? Hmm. I don't think I've had one of those. Uh, Jeff says, hashtag ask, like, who gets a nod on the mail first game of the year? That will be Paul Skeens. Paul Skeens. Uh, that will, at least per Jay Johnson, will get the nod, not this Friday, but the next Friday. So we're about 11 days away from first pitch we got two weeks to talk about it guys two weeks to talk about uh the lsu fighting tigers uh baseball team so looking forward to it all right not a lot last one rob boudreau says i drink whiskey or a real beer but back in the day my go-to was a bacardi and coke yeah you know rob when i hear like a bacardi and coke i used to i i think about like Going out to the club, you know, like if you're in Hammond or if you go to the Buzz or whatever, or if you're, um, if you're in Baton Rouge, you go. Some people go downtown, go to Tigerland, whatever. Um, I would do that too. You know what always used to confuse the hell out of me? Guys that drink vodka and red, uh, Red Bull and vodka. Never understood the concept. Like I always felt like my heart was going to explode. You know. Just never, you know, never could get into the the um, the Red Bull and vodka phase. But I tell you what phase I was in, going and screaming, Jager bombs, Jager bombs. Y'all remember that video? Jager bombs. <laughs> never got it. All right, let's get rolling. Everybody do us a favor by hitting like and share. Share to all of your social media groups. Share to all of your social media pages. Thank you so much. All of you on Facebook have been helping us grow so drastically, killing it. Don't forget, so there's a lot of you in here live right now. We are giving away $200. We're doing this all the month of February, and if we don't hit our goal, we'll do it a whole month of February too. We're trying to give away $200. you got to go over to YouTube, go to the Rafino and Joe Show, and subscribe and hit that notification bell. And if you're listening to us on YouTube on AYS, then hit the subscribe button and notification bell if you've not done so already. We're trying to give away money, man. I'm literally trying to give somebody 200 cold hard cash. I promise you, if you send me, you getting like 10 people to subscribe to both channels, I will. you will be like the front runner to getting the $200. Go subscribe if you haven't done so already. All right, everybody listen to us on XM Radio. Thank you so much if you're listening to us on the TuneIn app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for everybody that listened to us on the podcast. We hit over the uh, 1 million downloads and listens over the past week. 
So we're really excited about that. All right, let's get this thing rolling. Uh, I did get a uh, text message from Ryan. He said, Blake, can you table the Rafino's rants and talk about the Mike Denbrock thing first? Yes, Ryan, we can do that. So let's do this. Let's take a very quick break. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Their good friends over at GM Varno and Sons. Is Mike Denbrock the lead target to go back to Notre Dame to be their OC? We talk about that next. Ben Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to Bet Online today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50. That's Believe50, B-L-E-A-V, 5-0 to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. With over 65 years of experience, nobody is better equipped to service in your vehicle than GM Varno and Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motor chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. If you break down the side of the road in the greater Baton Rouge area, they will come and get you. And the best thing about that is that they can come and get you and then they can bring your vehicle back to their shop and start the repairs right then. Again, GM Varno and Sons, go see them over at 2500 Fuller Boulevard. Give them a call at 225-664-9992. 225-664-9902. Tell me, good friend, Blake Rafino, sit you on by. All right, let's get this thing started, y'all. Let's get this thing started, y'all. Um, so listen, over the last, I would say, three days. So if you've missed it, and look, I get it on Fridays. If you're a lot like me, I I, I get done with everything I gotta get done. I come home, I play with I play with the kids. Uh, I, I talk to the wife. We might go do something for dinner, whatever it may be. I understand. Maybe you miss it. It's been a long weekend. I feel you. So let me just catch you up about what's been going over on over the last 72 hours. So if you missed it, Friday, Nick Saban, or as we would like to start calling him on this show, Nick Satan, hired Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese for the same position at the University of Alabama. Alabama. I gave my thoughts about that this weekend. Go over to Rafino and Joe's show to listen to all that. I don't, I think it's a very underwhelming hire. But as I've said on this show, guys, we're almost 700 episodes in here. We're almost to the point where you know if if something's gonna happen in college sports, especially around LSU, you probably have a good idea of how we're gonna react to it on this show. When you have a coaching hire, a one offense coordinator leaves one school, goes to the other, it always leaves a ripple effect. Now the ripple effect can not only affect LSU just in one way with Tommy Reese going to Alabama, it could possibly be two. Now, let me preface this by saying, this buzz that's going on with Mike Denbrock has nothing to do with what's going or, or going on or being heard around LSU, but mainly... A lot of people like reaching out to me this weekend, Notre Dame people. Hey, what do you think about Mike Dimbrock? Do you think Mike Dimbrock would go, would leave LSU to go to Notre Dame? And I just want to respond to that very quickly and give an example of why I think uh, this is just not going to happen. Number one, Mike Dimbrock's getting paid a crap load of money to be the offensive coordinator at LSU. Tommy Reese is going to do an interview, and what he's going to tell you and why he left Notre Dame is like, look, I love my alma mater, but it's Alabama. I'm getting paid a crap load of money. And quite honestly, I don't know if Notre Dame is going to be able to match what LSU would give to Mike Denbrock. That's number one. The biz business is business. Let's call it what it is. Notre Dame's not going to fork over the money what LSU would for Mike Denbrock. However, I don't think Mike Denbrock is going to go anywhere without anything to do to money. He's got his entire offensive line returning. He's got his quarterback returning. Really, two quarterbacks returning. He's got his entire running back room returning. And you're adding two really, 
And I'm talking about extremely talented four-star running backs. You got Aaron Anderson from the transfer portal. You got your, a lot of your wide receivers coming back. You got Shelton Sampson and Jalen Brown. Quite honestly, it would be dumb for Mike Denbrock to do that. I don't think he's going anywhere. Him and Brian Kelly have a really good connection. And I don't know how much Mike Denbrock is look, would look forward to going to Notre Dame, having to redo this all over again when you could potentially have a title contender in the wings, in the mist, and it's really late in the process. Guys, we're a month away until spring football starts. Some of you don't even realize that, but we're literally about a month away until spring football starts. You'll see a lot of the talented true freshmen that are coming in that, that are midterm enrollees. You got Deshaun Womack. I know he was a little nicked up. Let's see if he gets out there. You have a lot of them. Ricky Collins will be out there. Jeremiah Hughes will be out, out there. There's so many kids that you'll get to see, and then you probably see Omar Spates and so many others that you will see. It just doesn't make sense for Mike Denbrock to make that move. It's not even really a lateral move. Guys, let's call it what it is. It's a little bit of a downgrade. Now, I know a lot. This is what's crazy is, you know, I get asked by a lot of Notre Dame fans, media, whatever. Do you think Mike Denbrock would leave LSU to go to Notre Dame? And I tell them no. And they're like, well, you know, LSU kind of stunk at times last year. And I'm trying to think to myself, when I hear a lot of those people say that, like, do what? Now, a lot of people didn't really care for Mike Denbrock in the beginning, but it could have been a lot worse and has been a lot worse at LSU over the last couple of years. Now, this is all Mike Denbrock did. You know, stats sometimes can make an argument, break an argument, or you just tell them the facts as they are. LSU scored 34.5 points per game last year offensively, 270 yards through the air. They also carried – or per average, ran the ball 37 times for 184 yards per game. They averaged 71 plays for 453 yards of total offense. And a lot of us said, well, Jane Daniels didn't do too well. Mike Timbrock didn't call great games. And some of that, yeah, you're right. Maybe there was some situational play calling that maybe could have gotten better. But, guys, you're 50 yards away from having a 500 yards per game offense. You ran the ball. You're about 17, 16, 17 yards away from having an offense that in the SEC rushes for 200 yards per game. You're 30 yards away from having a passer that throws the ball for 300 yards per game. Let's not sit here and act like Mike Dembrock has not done some good things, and I think that they will get even better this upcoming season, when you don't have the drops that you have, you have the second year in somebody's offense. And this is with Jane Daniels' first time. Pooh, I went back and looked at this. The first time that Jane Daniels has had back-to-back play callers and back-to-back seasons was when he was a freshman going into his sophomore year. He's never had this. That's almost, what, seven or eight years that Jane Daniels has had a different play caller every single year. Now he comes into a system along with Garrett Nussmeyer where you can get the understanding and, and thoughts and process of what Mike Dembrock wants to do in this offense. For Notre Dame media and fans that are saying that Mike Dembrock is not a good offensive coordinator, he literally led you to your best offensive showing in the last 15 years. He did some really good things at LSU a season ago. So this whole narrative, well, LSU's defense was completely horrible. Well, they had their moments last year. They were top, I think they were 30, 41st in the country in total defense. It was a lot better than what it had been. LSU's offense in 2021 was horrendous. LSU's defense in 2021 was absolutely horrendous. Considering the fact that LSU goes from the mid-100, or, or, or I'd say, I think they were like 106th, uh, and total defense in 2021 all the way up to 41st is a damn near miracle. Especially when they didn't have a lot of pieces that could rotate in and out. I don't think Mike Denbrock is going to Notre Dame. I think it would be stupid for him to go to Notre Dame. There's no real reason or process 
for him to do that. Now, the only thing that I think would make him turn his head at all is, number one, you're not in the SEC, you're not in that gauntlet, but number two, you have Sam Hartman. But I think that that is so far down the line of potential things that could sway him, I just can't see him doing that. Now, if he had like a a Drake May or a Caleb Williams at Notre Dame, I could understand the the thought processes of, of maybe leaving at LSU to go to Notre Dame because look, you have a really good season with a top five or top five pick, possibly the number one overall pick. If you had one of those two quarterbacks, I can understand it. Sam Hartman's not that guy, pal. He's not going to lead Notre Dame to a national title, and I don't even think that they make the playoffs next season. But I just think it's funny when Notre Dame fans say, hey, call uh, call you know, call Mike Denbrock to see if he'll come back because Marcus Freeman had some type of connection with him when they were both at Cincinnati. I, I get your logic, but when he tells you, no, don't continue to shit on Brian Kelly and LSU and Mike Denbrock or whatever, Tommy Reese was a quarterback at Notre Dame. He's alumni from Notre Dame. A year ago when he left, when he left South Bend and flew to Baton Rouge to see if he wanted to come here and flew back to South Bend and says, this is my home. I'm not going anywhere. He literally, a year after that, picks up and goes to Alabama. I'm sorry to tell Notre Dame fans this, and I really don't have hatred for Notre Dame. I don't dislike Notre Dame. I don't think that they're a bad university. I don't think that they're a bad school. But I think that they need to be a little bit more realistic of who they are, where they're going, and the offense and defense that they're trying to produce. It's a different breed here, man. It is the SEC. So until you get to a situation where Mike Denbrock is not literally returning damn near his entire offense. I don't think he's making that move. It would be it would be idiotic. You know, the move for Tommy Reese, as an example, leaving Notre Dame to go to Alabama is quite honestly extremely smart on the fact of Tommy Reese. Now, I will tell you this, and getting a little on the side note here, Nick, if there were any other coach in the country, literally any other coach in the country, not named Nick Saban, that would have hired Kevin Steele as their defensive coordinator and Tommy Reese as their offensive coordinator, everybody would say, what are they doing? It's a little bit, a a step ahead, just a little, but it's like some people when you hire Durant, not Durante Jones, I mean, Kevin Steele's not Durante Jones, but it's it's to the point where, I mean, is that really a good, really a good hire? You know, sometimes people look for the next Joe Brady. Tommy Reese isn't that. But I do think it's interesting. And I do think that Georgia and LSU are alike in this way. And everybody is trying to replicate what you saw from Georgia and LSU a season ago. Let me explain. Guys, because I don't think people realize how good LSU was running the football a season ago. Now, the stat, Pooh, and I will be honest, and I think that I'm going to use this stat all offseason. You ready? LSU LSU's passing game was at 270 yards per game last year. I thought Jaden sucked at throwing the football. I, I, I will be a little honest, and that's with games of throwing the ball against Auburn for 80 yards, right? Like, you went up against Georgia, and I get it. You threw for 500, but you're literally 30 yards per game difference and having a 300-yard passer through 14 games. The biggest thing for me for LSU, and I think that they will not only duplicate but get better in, LSU on average last season ran the ball 37 times for 184 yards. If you want the exact stat, it's 183.9 yards per game. Guys, it's five yards per carry. You want to know why LSU won the West? You want to know why LSU had so much success? Not only do they run the football at a very high clip, they also broke the season record in rushing touchdowns. How many times do we did we as LSU fans, let's rewind ourselves 10 years ago. 
2013. Let's even back up maybe a couple years before that. 2011, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16. When you had offenses around LSU where you had great running backs, Jeremy Hill, Terrence McGee, Leonard Fournette, Darius Geis. Uh, uh, um, who's the guy that uh, played with the Chiefs? Why is his name slipping my mind? Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a part of that 2018. Like, LSU has had a lot of success running the football. Guys, statistically, thank you, Darrell Williams, Pooh, thank you. Statistically, LSU last year is not only up there with one of the best of LSU's standings and records, it's some of the best that we've ever seen around college football. I'm going to I am going to make a bold prediction. Here is my bold prediction for every, Spencer Ware. Ryan C says Spencer Ware. That's another great one. Alfred Blue. I mean, you could go down the list of how many Michael Ford. By the way, Michael Ford had the biggest biceps for a guy. Pause, but biggest biceps for a guy that was five, six and a half, five, seven. I think my point is in saying all this, you know what's interesting? is I think you're starting to see a little bit of a, a philosophy change around the SEC, where you had guys like Joe Burrow, you had guys like Bryce Young, you had guys like Mac Jones, you had guys like Kyle Trask, even though you might not like Kyle Trask. You had guys like Stetson Bennett. You know what's funny, and I think that one thing that we're missing here in all of this is that the SEC around the league, whether it be Georgia whether it be Florida with Billy Napier, whether it be Arkansas, whether it, we'll see what Zach Arnett does, whether it be Lane Kiffin, or whether it be LSU, you know what all of them want to establish? The run. Look at what Georgia does offensively. Hiring Tommy Reese at Alabama completely means that Nick Saban has gone off the deep end and said, you know what, F it. I'm going back to my roots. I'm going back, going back to how I know how to win football games and that is running the football. Look at how many teams in the SEC have really prolific offenses. Number one was Alabama a season ago. They ran the football for 155 yards per game. You look at Ole Miss, 170 yards per game. You look at Arkansas and how effective that they ran the ball when they had a healthy K.J. Jefferson. I think the philosophy is starting to get back to what we saw in – about 10 years ago and running the football. Now, you do have to be able to hit the, hit those shots down the field. That's something that we will talk all offseason. Jaden is going to have to, and Garrett is going to have to hit those balls down the field to be able to have success. Going to have to have success. But when you talk about the offensive line play, when you talk about the running backs, I just want you to remember this. It is one of the toughest things in college football especially in the SEC, to run for five yards per carry. LSU did it. All right. That was a mouthful. That's what she said. Pause. But it's true. I think that there – I fully believe that there has been a philosophy change around the SEC as a whole. You can, I could seriously make the argument that LSU and Georgia – were the two most physical teams in the SEC last year. Because sometimes those numbers don't lie, right? Like, when you see a stat line, like if I put up a, a, a blind stat for you, if I just put up a blind resume and a blind stat, and I look at you and I say, listen, you have a team that's throwing for 270. Just close your eyes and think of this. Everybody stop what you're doing. Close your eyes and just think about it. If I told you that you had a team that scored 35 points per game offensively, 207 yards in the air, 185 yards on the ground. They ran 71 plays. They averaged damn near 460 yards per game. They had five yards per carry. What would you say? And if you want to get very analytical, LSU was plus in every category. What do I mean by they were plus in every category? Most times when you break down analytics, you look at the offense and you subtract it by the defense. So meaning you take your offensive numbers and then what your defense gave you or what your defense gave up, rather, if you're in the plus 
you're really, really successful. If you're in the minus in all of these, you're not going to do well. As an example, LSU was negative in every category the last two seasons when it came to what their defense was giving up to what their offense was gaining. LSU was plus six in completions, meaning on average, Jane Daniels had six more completions than his opponent. Let me re-say that. Jane Daniels was plus six every single game on average than he was in every team that he had played last season. That's massive. And again, you have games like Tennessee. You have games like Auburn that you cannot have next year if you want to play in the playoff. I don't think that they will do that. You are plus, plus four in attempts. You are plus 65 yards in passing. You are plus 100 total yards in total offense per average, which means when you go in, when LSU get, went into a game last year, they were damn near not only going to outpass, outcomplete, outrush the opposing team, but when they did, here's the last stat I'll give you for the night. LSU was plus 12 in all that categories, meaning that when LSU did what they were supposed to do, they walked into every stadium plus 12. It's what helps you beat Alabama. It's what helps you go on the road and beat Florida. Anyway, just where I'm at, man. Oh, shoot. I forgot. <laughs> I'm one. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I'm such an idiot. I forgot to send. Uh, I forgot to send Wilson Alexander the link. Hopefully he gets it really quickly. I was wondering where he was because he's always he's always on time, but I forgot to send him the link. Mm. Rudy Pooh moves. That's that's a rookie move, Pooh. That is a rookie move not to sit not to send him the link. And Pooh said you forgot to send him the link, huh? Yeah. I probably should I probably should have read my uh notes from my producer. Hey, maybe we want to send your guest a link to come on the show. <laughs> Uh, Rick says on YouTube, teams that win the line of scrimmage and outrush opponents win a lot of games. Hell yeah, they win a lot of games. And look, there there comes a point when there comes a point when you sit here and you ask yourself this question. Now, I would Brian Kelly's never going to admit to this, but I think you got to understand the philosophy of what he was going through a season ago, right? Like a, a season ago. You have a situation where, and look, we just went through all these stats. Again, when you're averaging 184 rush yards per game, five yards per carry, like the Notre Dame guys can say Mike Denbrock was not that great last year. But again, when you look at that blind resume and you're at 270 passing yards per game, 184 rushing yards per game, that's really productive. Really, really, really productive. Hawkins says, hashtag ask, like, if Denbrock were to leave, do you think Joe Sloan becomes the OC? I don't think he's going to leave, but I think that's that's interesting. All right. I kept him waiting long enough. I, I made a rookie mistake. I didn't send him the link. The best hair in the business. Uh, Pooh Bear says, Wilson may have his bonnet on now. <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't, I, you know, I think Wilson at all times pr protects the hair. Right? Like, you know, he sent out a text to her to the LSU beat saying, you know, we got to protect the hair during spring. It rains a lot. <laughs> All right, let's get to him. I know that you had the questions because there's a lot of buzz. Let's see. Uh, let's ask Wilson. We'll ask him that about Mike Denbrock when we get out of the break. Let's talk about a good friend, Carol False, over at State Farm. Guys, I understand with inflation. I understand with everyday life, sometimes things can get really tight. Call Kara Falls from State Farm today. Look, the worst thing that he could tell you is I cannot give you better coverage at this at that same price. Call Carol Falls today. Let him know that Blake Rafino sits you on by. The only thing he could tell you is no. Save me and Megan. Save so many other people. Got us more money back in our wallets, especially with two kids and a newborn. Sometimes you just need it. Let's talk about Carol Falls, Wilson Alexander next. 
Guys, you might know my good friend Carol Falls and all the great service that he provides over at State Farm. He is your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates as well? Along with the great neighbor service, State Farm agent Carol Falls has surprisingly great rates for everyone inside the state of Louisiana. So call him today at 985-395-4300, 985-395-4300 for all of those surprisingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there and individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to the State Farm underwriting requirements. The man with the best hair in the business. Wilson, I feel like a rookie. I've done over 700 episodes of this. Uh-oh. Can you not hear me? Can you hear me? Uh-oh. Pooh, can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Wilson, we're going to exit you out, then bring you back in and see if that if that can help, if you can't hear me. <laughs> can't hear me? <laughs> I mean, we can hear you a little bit, but he just can't hear me. All right. Wilson Alexander's our guest. We'll get to him in just a minute. Um, rookie mistakes. See, this is what I get. This is what I get for making rookie mistakes. Wowzers. Penn Jones sends $49.99 via Super Chat. He says, in honor of my lifelong friend and diehard LSU fan, Jay Niepert, uh, Nipert, uh, who passed Saturday. Man, Penn, I'm so sorry to hear that, bud. God, dog it. Man, I, I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you for the super chat, but man, that comes at a great cost. I am sorry. Um, I'm so sorry for your loss. All right, Wilson, if you can hear me, let me know. Whenever you're ready, if you can hear me. <laughs> All right, I'll poo just to see. Um, let me see. All right, we'll we'll get it. I'm very sorry uh, for your loss, though, Penn. We're trying to fix fix these uh, uh, trying to fix these uh, issues. Um, Kenny says the missing link. Yeah, I, I get. I, I I guess you can say that. I guess you can say that. Uh, Wade McBride says it's Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. I think you guys should give me some. Uh, some uh some leeway. Uh Andrew Paulson Martin says Garfield on a Monday moment. Yeah. Yeah. Adam B says, sorry, I can't participate. I'm driving. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Uh, Kenny says, KW is my brother from a different mother. He is a family friend. I love it. I love it. Let's see. Oh, Keelan Williams. Keelan Williams was a good one. Keelan Williams was a good one. Pooh, let's do this. Let's go to a very quick break. Let's talk about um, our good friends over at GM Varno and Sons. Guys, let us reset. We'll be right back. Give us 40 seconds. And we'll reset. We'll be right back. With over 65 years of experience, nobody is better equipped to service in your vehicle than GM Varno and Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motor chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. If you break down the side of the road in the greater Baton Rouge area, they will come and get you. And the best thing about that is that they can come and get you. And then they can bring your vehicle back to their shop and start the repairs Right then. Again, GM Varno and Sons. Go see him over at 2500 Fuller Boulevard. Give him a call at 225-664-9992. 225-664-9992. Tell him your good friend, Blake Rafino. Sit you on by. Rob Boudreaux says, F that, Blake. Just go get a whiskey. <laughs> I probably should have. 
Uh, but 40 seconds is way too, uh, you know, I can't move that quick. I can't move that quick. Um, I wish I could, though. I, I, I really do wish that I could move that quickly. Like, if I could pour a glass of whiskey in 40 seconds, I probably would do it. Uh, Jeffrey Scott says, last year we just scratched the surface, just reloading for next year. I agree. Uh, Wilson, you can hear us still? Hear us now? All right, let's bring him in. Wilson Alexander from the Advocates, our guest. Wilson, what I was trying to say <laughs> is that I've done 700 episodes of this, and I had a rookie moment by not sending the guest the link to the show. I, I mean, do you ever have these moments, or is it just me? It happens to the best of us, you know. I mean, gosh, technology uh, is finicky at times, and hey, I don't fault you, but we're, we've got this on the phone now, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll do the trick. I think it'll do good. Uh, it'll be fine. Uh, Wilson, a lot of people are asking now, it's not really coming from the LSU side, but more of the Notre Dame side. Obviously, Tommy Reese who leaves Notre Dame, his alma mater. Obviously, we know the connection with Brian Kelly and goes to Alabama. But now there's some Notre Dame people asking the question, is Mike Denbrock a potential target to leave Baton Rouge to go to Notre Dame? I just can't see it with everything returning. What can you tell us if there is really anything that maybe you're hearing on that front at all? I hadn't heard anything on that front uh, right. so at this point. Um, does that mean it? hasn't happened no not necessarily but I, I hadn't heard anything about that and it would surprise me if Mike Dimbrock uh, were to go and take that job uh, he's very well paid at LSU he's worked with Brian Kelly so many times before uh, and is was certainly a, that was a draw to come down here uh, you know it's already not that it's does isn't an unusual coaching but you know the family he, he and his family moved down here um, and you know last year and there'd be a lot to kind of do it again uh, and there is so much returning on LSU's offense uh, that it would be a surprise to me if he if he left um, and, and took a different position. Uh, certainly, one that is a lateral move like that to Notre Dame. Um, but it, but to answer your question, I, I hadn't heard um, really anything about that that would make me think that he's leaving. Yeah, <laughs> Lucy B says Wilson, where are you at? It looks like you're in heaven. And then we got our father and uh, father Aber saying Wilson looks like he's coming down from heaven with those lights. I love it. Hey, if a if a Catholic priest saying it looks like you're in heaven, I mean you you're doing something right, Wilson. I agree. You know what's interesting when I I I don't know if it's just me, but I know that you had been talking about it a little bit and. I really went and looked at just – I'm not a big statistical guy. Like, I don't ever really go and look at him unless I really need to. Something that was interesting, though, and I want you to expound on it because I know that you look at this religious – like, you you, you really break down the film. You rewatch the games. LSU ran the ball for 184 yards per game last year. That's kind of surprising. That returns. Wilson, they're not going to get worse. That's the scary part. I, I guess when – you kind of start looking more after the season's over and a deep dive of this. Your thoughts on that? It's an interesting. I, I didn't know that actually the rushing yards per game on that one, uh, but it makes quite a bit of sense that even though LSU didn't have an a thousand yard, you know, running back somebody like that, because of what Jaden Daniels does offensively and what everything that he brings with his legs. You know, I was having a conversation with, uh, earlier today, actually. Uh, about this very thing about what else he brings back in the running back room and how it really doesn't need sort of a feature lead back because your feature lead back per se is Jaden Daniels. Um, while that gets into a whole other kind of conversation about, you know, his downfield passing and, and all that kind of thing and maybe taking off too much sometimes and needing to be a little bit more selective with it because of what he does and the threat that he poses as a rusher, LSU, uh, it opens everything else up for the running backs. And you don't need them to be a dynamic, you know, Leonard Fournette or somebody like LSU's had in the past, that lead feature back here you're going to feed 25 times a game um, because Jane Daniels is going to, you know, run at times as well and have some design runs. And so uh, it's, uh, you know, LSU brings all that back, like you said, and but it's not really like the running game of the past, but it's still effective. Were you surprised that Tommy Reese went to Alabama? Like, I, I'll be honest, I did not see – I did not think that he would be the answer to Nick Saban's offensive questions. Were you surprised like me? 
I guess to some degree, you know, I have no, you know, don't know Tommy Reese uh, at all. And, and so I, not like I talked to him or ever talked to him or anything like that, but for, to be a Notre Dame guy, like he, you know, a former quarterback there and to be the OC um, maybe a little bit, um, especially after, you know, having turned down the LSU job last year and being the office court in Alabama is you know, somewhat similar, but we've also seen just what, being a coordinator for Nick Saban can do for your career. If you're successful in that position, it has been a launching pad to a, to head coaching jobs. Not that that can't be the same thing at LSU or at Notre Dame or anywhere else that's comparable. Um, but it would, you know, if that was maybe his reasoning for it, then you can understand uh, why he would try to go down there and learn from somebody like Nick Saban, who has, you know, once maybe it's hard to replicate the Saban process. Nobody's ever really done it except for Kirby Smart. Um, but, you know, maybe learn something in a different kind of place to, to try to advance his career at this stage because he's still really young. Do you think that gives Brian Kelly a little bit of an advantage of what Alabama wants to do offensively? Like, I went and looked at Tommy Reese's car- football career. Since being the quarterback at Notre Dame, he's had more years with Brian Kelly than away from Brian Kelly. So the kid, since the kid's been 19, so last 11 years, he's been more with Brian Kelly than any other football person on planet Earth. To me, that just feels like if you're an adult and you see a kid mature, you teach him everything you know, I feel like the the you know the old buck might know what the young buck's trying to do because it's all of his tricks. Am I am I crazy in thinking that? No, you're not crazy thinking about that. I just finished a book, uh, what Seth Wickersham's uh, It's Better to Be Feared About the Patriots uh, Dynasty with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Highly recommend it for anybody out there who Can you is, say the book goes, again? It's Better to Be Feared. It's uh, all about the Patriots Dynasty with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And it gets into Bill Belichick's what makes him such a good coach and why he had so much success often against, you know, uh, sort of his former pupils is that he was so good at reading, like looking across at the sideline in the middle, the other sideline in the middle of the action and being able to see just by reading expressions and body language, what that other coach might do. And if you have intimate knowledge of somebody, it makes it a lot easier. So no, it's not um, outlandish to think that it's also not going to be, uh, you know, Nick Saban and all the other coaches there. It'll be a, a different offense than, you know, what he ran with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. And so, it's not the exact same. And sometimes you can overthink all of that um, too much. And especially if you try to overthink that in a game, then maybe kind of paralysis by analysis situation, you really just need to, you know, let you go players go and play fast. But, you know, maybe in certain situations, it'll help. We'll have to see how things play out once LSU faces Alabama this year over in Brian Denny. Wilson, uh, one more football. And I want to, I want to ask you maybe some baseball questions uh, as well. Michael Barnett and company open that gate for spring football. Where does Wilson Alexander go first? Probably over to cornerback. Uh, I'm fascinated by what that's going to look like this year because it is the most unsettled and wide open position on the field, you know, with four transfers coming in, three freshmen, only two returning players, and neither of them really played last year because the Terrence Welch was a backup who was primarily on special teams and, of course, seven banks with the injury uh, at Auburn. And so in all of those corners, there's things that you really like about them. And there's question marks. I mean, um, I think Deuce Chestnut is probably the most proven of them after having started the last couple of years at Syracuse. But outside of that, Denver Harris is talented as he seems to be. He started in five, maybe six games against it before getting indefinitely suspended the second half of the year. So he hasn't played a full season as a starter. J.K. Johnson hasn't been a, full, a full-time starter. And Zy Alexander, while really productive at Southeastern, hasn't been a full-time starter at this level. And then, you know, you just keep going down the list. There's really, it's completely wide open. And so that's probably the first position that I would want to go and see. It's the one I think that'll be the fiercest competition um, uh, really throughout the the spring and then into the preseason as well. Uh, Fascinating to see how that shakes out, especially because, you know, maybe they move one of those corners over to nickel, depending on what they want out of that spot. And so... It's going to be really interesting, I think, what happens in the secondary. That's where I'm going to be looking first. Where's second? Second for me – oh, let me think real quick. Um, I guess I just – there's a few, but, uh, you know, because defensive tackle came to mind, especially with uh, right. Wingo out for the spring and Mason Smith coming off the ACL still, kind of, you know, who they're looking at and how that rotation, you know, maybe who emerges as somebody who can really be relied on because it's going to be important for them to be able to rotate edge rusher, of course, as well. 
But my mind, honestly, ultimately went to wide receiver. Uh, number two and number three. You know, we know what Malik Neighbors is, but you know who ends up being that second and third guy? Brian Thomas has been good, but he doesn't have more than 400 yards receiving in a season. You know, So he hasn't taken that step to elite SEC receiver yet. He's got a chance to now. Can he go and do that? What's Aaron Anderson look like at, you know, after transferring from Alabama? Chris Hilton, when he's healthy, he's so fast. What can he do? Um, so I, that would probably be the other one is on the offensive side, just looking at that second and third receiver battle. Wilson, did Malik Neighbors have the quietest, best season of, of an LSU receiver? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I will be honest. So you, uh, I think it was SEC Mike that came out with the, you know, LSU, Georgia play, and then the Monday, he always just posts like the, the stats, you know, passing yards, rushing yards, whatever. And I just get a text that morning. I'm like, he goes, did you know that Malik Neighbors had this good of a season? I'm like, he kind of, I thought he just had an average season. 75 catches, number one in the SEC, number two in receiving yards. <laughs> Wilson had a damn good year. And I think it might have been the quietest, best year that we've seen here in a really long time. Absolutely, because it was sort of he sort of snuck up on going over a thousand yards receiving. Then, of course, you know, actually did it in the bowl game with that huge bowl game. But because he wasn't like he wasn't scoring a lot of touchdowns, and so you weren't really thinking about him all the time because he wasn't in the end zone a ton. Um, but he was really productive. But he also wasn't like it wasn't like he was stacking a hundred yard games on top of each other. It was sort of like eighty yards here, seventy yards there, and then he'd have a hundred yard game and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it was really quiet, but he was so productive at the end of it all. And it makes you think like, you know, everybody I think nowadays when you look at wide receivers at LSU, you think back to like the Jordan Jefferson, excuse me, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase career arc, whereas sophomores, they started to, you know, get better and then really look better in the bowl game. And then junior year, they both explode. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it's hard to, everybody has their own different sort of career progressions. You can't just draw straight parallels with everybody, but, you know, it's kind of what we do anyway. And so <laughs> Malik Neighbors, as a sophomore, goes for over a 1,000 yards already. You would think that as a junior, he should be, you know, a college football star, be, have the chance to make himself a first-round draft pick. Um, his career, his in his season was, you know, he goes from first game against Florida State, you know, muffing those two punts, the way that he progressed over the course of the year didn't let that ruin the rest of his season. As emotional as you saw him lying on the ground there in the Superdome was really impressive as well. And that's what Brian Kelly after the, at the end of the year was most impressed by was the maturity that he showed to get past that. You know, like he could have easily taken his ball and gone home. You know, when you got LeBron James tweeting at you, I mean, on a Sunday night, I mean, he could have, but look, he, he battled and, he came back and re- did some really good things. Uh, one more, and I want to get to 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 baseball. It, look, pass the question if you want to, but I gotta ask this: the Dale Brown court thing. Do you have any knowledge of that at all? If you want to pass it, just pass it. Like I, I'm just that, you know, because I really don't, you know. <laughs> I really, you if you want to pass, just say pass. No, I, I, I can. I'll you know certainly talk about it. Um, it's. It's just, you know, I think there is an expectation that it'll be on the agenda this week um, for the Board of Supervisors meeting that is currently scheduled for Friday. Um, that isn't set yet, though. Things get, you know, proposed onto the agenda all the time and then don't actually end up on the agenda. That that happens. Um, so we won't know for certain until that agenda gets posted. Uh, I think it's 24 hours before the start of the board meeting. Um, it's just... Looking, you know, looking at, I don't have an opinion one way or another about Agreed. it at all. Um, it's just sort of, um, it's just, it's just unfortunate that it's so messy um, and that it, it, of a situation. Um, but you know, that is, it is being there've been rumblings about that for a while. Really, Diver, I don't think went away after they actually voted on it. At the, I was at that board of supervisors meeting. It was hotly contested, and um, I don't think it ever just you know quieted down and went away after that. Obviously, it didn't, and so. Um, there's been a lot going on behind the scenes. Uh, I think everybody's kind of heard about it at this point, so don't no need to really rehash all that. Um, and we'll just sort of see how it shakes out, see if it actually ends up on the agenda and, and what comes out of the board meeting uh, if they are end up doing a voting on it. The only thing we're, we'll move on is if Ken wins multiple national titles, you're going to have to rename it anyway. You know, like I, I, that, that's just kind of where I said, all right, Wilson Alexander from The Advocate joins us. Wilson, baseball's 11 days away. Jay is kind of really giddy. I, I, look, you know, 
it, you know what's crazy? Yesterday he calls a, a, a hitter's only meeting. And they talked for like five minutes. They had like seven straight strikeouts. They struck out like Paul Skeens and the crew. They're out there just swinging it. Next bat's Gavin Dugas, and he hits one over the, the left field bleachers. This team's going to be very special, dude. Like, I I don't know if I can wait much longer. I, I mean, what have you seen? What have you heard? What do you think? Well, I haven't I haven't seen much. I don't really cover baseball on a day to day anymore. As our I'm a, you know, our lead football writer for the Advocate, right. and so. Uh, Leah would probably be the better uh, person because she's been at a lot of the scrimmages and reporting on them every single day. But, you know, being around LSU, I've, I've heard the buzz. I've had some conversations <laughs> with people around the team who are really, really excited uh, about what they, these, th- this group could do. Because one through nine, that lineup's going to be hard, a hard, hard out. There's so much power, uh, top to bottom. I mean, Gavin, you just mentioned him, and he's someone who – I mean, has he secured a starting spot? I don't think no. so. And, I mean, and he's I... was the best, probably the best, mm, most productive, maybe, or, or certainly maybe most clutch. I, I don't know. One of their best players, like two years ago, you know, when uh, Paul Maneri yeah, led season. the team in home runs. Uh, yeah. Like the SEC in home runs. Exactly. And he's like not even a guaranteed starter, might be coming off the bench kind of thing. So <laughs> it's it should be a fun year at the box. Um, and I hope just for LSU fans' sake, um, because ever since I came to start covering LSU uh, was the 2019 season. And, you know, they were preseason number one, then two. And there was so much hype. And then they didn't meet those expectations, fell short of Omaha. So I hope for LSU fans' sake, who have been a little – there's been a little bit of a drought at baseball now, um, that they get to go back to Omaha and, and, you know, compete for national championship again. Because that's always the expectation. And uh, this team looks like it might be able to do it. Um, but you know how it goes. 56 games, long season. Uh Let's see how it plays out. You know what's so crazy to me? And I don't know if this is a right way of thinking. And I know that people want to get back to Omaha. So, like, I get it. We talk about LSU being in a drought and not succeeding. Well, going back to back to back super regionals and losing them, I might add. Okay. Or regionals. Wilson, like, that's their down year. You know, like, at some point, you just got to sit back and say to yourself, like, hey, like, it's not as bad as you think that it is. You know, like, you're going to Tennessee. You're going to USM playing a really, really good team. It's not as bad as it looks. (laughs) It's kind of my (laughs) opinion sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, – I think it speaks to where college baseball is at. And, you know, you heard Maneri always talk about this, and Skip Bertman would back him up on it, that – it, college baseball is so much more competitive across the board than it was in the nineties. And it ever really has been, uh, there's so many good teams these days. Uh, and especially now that, you know, there's the way things shook out with it, the major league baseball over the last few years with, ha- with the state of the minor leagues. And then, you know, COVID we saw this shift toward talent staying in college baseball, like, like a Dylan Cruz and other people like that who thought, you know what, I'm just going to go to college. And there's so much talent everywhere. Um, and it, it is, harder to get to Omaha than it ever has been, but not getting there since 2017. Um, I think that it right. is reasonable to be like, okay, we've had enough of this, even though, um, you know, you can, you can certainly acknowledge that it's much more difficult. If you're LSU, uh, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't be this long. I think, I think that's also a fair take um, because of what this program has accomplished and what it is uh, that it should get back there. Um, and that it should be fair to expect. I mean, because think about it. They don't get to Omaha this year. It'll have been six years. And uh, before, I think the longest drought without an appearance in Omaha since LSU won its first national championship was like four years. Correct. Um, and That's so right. that it, it would be, uh, I think, reasonable to be pretty upset uh, if six years had passed without going back. I went to lunch. I'm getting you out of here after this, but just a quick story. I went to lunch in Baton Rouge. You know how the lunch scene in Baton Rouge can be. And I go in there, me and a couple buddies, I get stopped and we're talking about baseball and this guy's pretty pissed. And we haven't even started the LSU baseball season yet. He goes, Blake, you do realize the last time that we competed really for a national title in baseball, we had fired less miles. We had hired head Orsron. Orsron got a Heisman trophy winning quarterback. We won a national title. He got fired. Brian Kelly came in. LSU won the SEC West. All that happened before we got back to going to like really competing in Omaha. And you kind of take a step back and you start asking yourself, like, 
shit. I mean, he's not wrong. And so when you put it like that, I guess that's where the fans come from. And I think that you articulate that in a way it's like you hit the nail on the head when you talk about the pulse of the fan base. Like they're ready to get back there. So it's a good point. Wilson Alexander, the advocate. Thank you, buddy. Sorry I had a rookie moment. I, I'm sorry I had a rookie moment. Well, like you said, it looks like I've got some sort of angelic light on me because I'm doing this on my phone. You so we're all just figuring like, it out tonight. It's okay. You literally look like you're coming out of the, you know, heaven's gates. Like you, you <laughs> literally look like I should be praying to you in the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm not going to go and say something blasphemous that would get me in trouble. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, as uh, Father Abair, our, our, our priest is in here, man. Like I got to be careful when my priest is in here, you know? Like I can't, I can't go saying F-bombs, you know? Like can't look him in the face when you do stuff like that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Blake. Thanks, Wilson. We'll see you next week or ne- whenever. Later, dude. All right, that's Wilson Alexander. What a show. What a show. It's a good one. Look, let's end it here. Let's end it here and saying this. Didn't get to my Rafino's rants, but, but, um, I think the LSU women's basketball team got hosed. And I do love the fight from LSU men's basketball. Um, almost, you know, you you gave Alabama everything you had, man. For that, you got to give them credit. Until then, guys, we'll see y'all tomorrow. We'll guess it up again. Got a long way to go, man. See y'all soon. Y'all have a good night. Peace out, Girl Scouts. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.